हिला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री गिरिराज महाराज की जय श्री श्री जागनाबल सुभाद्रे की जय श्री पादुका की जय असने कृष्ण पादुका की जय हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय और प्रमाण we are running out of water in sofia <laughs> Sunday that will come <laughs> water <coughs> <some> water <laughs> so welcome to all of you again thank you so much for your presence and we are continuing today with our series of lectures on Sriman Mahaprabhu's staying in Puri hmm? today we will officially let's say finish Speaking about <coughs> Sri Chaitanya Dev's last days in, in Jagannath Puri in connection also with Sri Sikshastakam. But before briefly we recap what we saw last uh, two, two, two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. Last meeting regarding this series where we were celebrating Sri Rath Yatra or the Chariot Festival. We were visiting. The Temple of Sri Bhakti Kamar Tirtha Maharaj, and we're invited to speak on Sri Rathiyatra. So we try to me- meditate on how Mahaprabhu himself was celebrating Rathiyatra with his associates there, hmm, with very special type of dancing that somehow made Jagannath himself uh, like stop his own dynamics in the cart and stop just looking at how Mahaprabhu was dancing, who was in Radhavab. So Krishna in separation from Radha, seeing Radha dancing in separation from Krishna, basically. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of, of this festival also, we finally got to the point where the king of Puri, Prataparudra Maharaj, received the long-cherished mercy of Mahaprabhu's embrace. You remember Sarbhaboma advised him, you go to that place when he's fainted and recite Gopi Gita, massage his feet, and Mahaprabhu started to embrace him in a very affectionate way. So, we try mostly to explain what for us as Gaudiya's Rathiyatra means, because for different people, Jagannath and, and Rathiyatra has particular approaches. So, for us, it's very unique in the connection of Krishna being taken back to Vrindavan by the force, by the strength of the love of the Rajavasis, whether we take uh, Jagannath Puri to represent Kurukshetra, hmm? when Rajavasis meet with Krishna there in the solar eclipse, also. We can also take Jagannath Puri in this connect, connect, connection to Dwarka. So whatever the case, the, the, the love of the Brajavas is highlighted here, one and over, over and over again. So that we saw last Sunday. So today we will finish our series, actually. Actually, the, the idea of the series were to build up along the days, along the week, to reach to the Rathiyatra, which somehow was were the, the climax, if you will, of the series. So in one sense, this, those, this series of lectures officially finish on Sunday, in one sense. <laughs> there are many extra official beginnings and endings, but <laughs> officially somehow the series were building up to the Rath Theatre. So today we are sharing in our last <coughs> meeting, since tomorrow we have one more meeting, but it will be more Q&A. So today our last meeting will be like an afterthought to the rest of Mahaprabhu's Lila's after Rathiyatra, which includes a lot of things, so 
I'm, I won't be able to do that today. <laughs> the class will last for for three weeks or so if we have to speak all that remains there. But we'll make some brief recap of what's after Rathiatra and before the last days of Mahaprabhu. I would just mention what's happening because, again, that requires three other retreats for the next three years or something. So we may have already some good excuse to visit you again. <laughs> But many things happened after the Rathiyatra, which is in the Madhya Lila, in the Acharya Lila, and before reaching the very last point of Mahaprabhu and the Gambira speaking the Sikshastakam. So after Rathiyatra finishes, and after some time of that, as we remember, all the devotees that came from outside of Puri to meet with Mahaprabhu for Chaturmasya return to their respective headquarters, if you will. Mahaprabhu sends Nityananda to Bengal to redeem everyone there. Even though Nityananda is to remain in Puri, he's been sent to Bengal to go to those places. Mahaprabhu cannot go as a sannyasi and deliver everyone there. Then it is described Mahaprabhu's visit to Vrindavan, which he attempted twice to go. And he was not successful, and a third time he goes there. So there is a relatively detailed description of the places he went, how he rediscovered. Radhakun, so many other things I cannot tell you here in detail, so you will beg your forgiveness, please. Uh, but also it say that it was not that, that of a long stay. One may wonder why Mahaprabhu did not stay too much in Vrindavan, because when he was going to Vrindavan somehow, I mean, he's Krishna after all. <laughs> he's Krishna in the mood of Radha, but he's Krishna. Radha Bhava, Dyuti, Subhalitam, Nomi, Krishna Sarupam. So Sri Chaitanya Dev is Krishna in the mood of Radha. He's not Radha. Radha is, as we already mentioned, that other pandit. Hmm? We will mention some words today in the end. So Krishna is, Mahaprabhu is Krishna in the mood of Radha, but when he goes to Vrindavan, somehow the Krishna mood comes for moments. Being in Vrindavan, Vrindavan kind of acts like a kind of mirror reminding him, you are Krishna. So Mahaprabhu says, this is not working hmm? because I'm trying to be Radha, no? to stop being Krishna for a while. <laughs> so Krishna wants to stop being Krishna for a while. <laughs> So he stayed for some few days in Vrindavan and he returns eventually mm-hmm. to Puri. But of course in the in the in the way to go in, go into Vrindavan also he goes through different places. He goes to the famous Chari Kanda forest where he executes Harikirtan and all the animals of the forest start to dance together, the lion with the deer, the dog with the cat, all the those animals that natural are inimical to one another. And mm-hmm. um, also, Mahaprabhu goes through Varanasi, another place generally famous for Advaita Vedanta, but he has he had something to do there, as we will see eventually, visiting some devotees, Tapan Mishra, Chandrasekhar, Acharya, and so on. And in his return also to Puri, he passes through one place called Ramkeli, where he meets Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami. That's very historical uh, meeting, and very long section in Chaitanya Charitamrita of Mahaprabhu is instructing Rupa and Sanatana who are to become the very architects hmm, of the Sampradaya. There's one phone there, just in case. And uh, it's a very important meeting because sometimes we mention this idea. The Mahaprabhu is the founder of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, if you will. He's like a golden volcano hmm, making ecstatic eruption. But the Goswamis are the architects of the Sampradaya. Hmm? The Goswamis are the ones who give shape in some way or another, because Mahaprabhu instructs them, go to Vrindavan, open temples there, install deities, write books, hmm, 
that will constitute the foundation for the Sampradaya, and also compile a list of codes of behavior for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. So Rupa and Sanatan are the heads in that sense of the Sampradaya is beginning all this. So in this section of Chaitanya Charitamrita, also part of the life of Rupa and Sanatan has been shared. I, I don't have time here to go into detail. That requires separate meetings. How they met Mahaprabhu, how they met many obstacles in their attempt of meeting Mahaprabhu, going to jail and things like this, and how all these obstacles just only increase their fire of longing to meet Mahaprabhu. So obstacles are there to increase our longing, not to discourage us, basically. And when Mahaprabhu is meeting with Rupa and Sanatana, he's instructed them on Sambandha, Videya, Prayojan. At one point he explains the famous Atmarama verse again. He explained that to Sarvabhoma, we mentioned in our almost first meeting. How many times? Like 18 times or 19 times something? 21 times something like that? Now he explains to Sanatana Goswami another 61 times, just in case, <laughs> without, without touching any of the other previous ones. So in this way, after this, he goes back again from, to Varanasi, which again was a place known for being really affected by Advaita Vedanta, and especially there was one well-known sannyasi there called Prakasananda Saraswati. It is said he had how many sannyasi disciples? 60,000? You can imagine, no? Somehow, will they arrive with some sannyasis? Okay. How many? 60,000. So I hope there is prasad ready for all. I'm sure. <laughs> but all of them in, in, in the line of monistic Vedanta, so Mahaprabhu eventually converted Prakasananda. Similarly, how he converted Sarvabhoma by silence, Venkata by joking, and Prakasananda by his humility. He said Mahaprabhu was invited to one meeting, he just sat at the door very humbly, not entering into the full assembly, considering himself to, as belonging to a lower order of sannyas. And only by that type of humility, immediately he started to, to enter into the hearts of these mm-hmm. sannyasis. And eventually, yeah, he had to say some words about Vedanta and Srimad Bhagavatam, the checkmate. And Prakashananda and his 60,000 sannyasis then were 60,001 Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Well, okay. So then finally, of course, Mahaprabhu arrived to Puri, and there is some description of, of two Haridasas. We have Chota Haridas, and sometimes called Bada Haridas. And Chota means like small or young, and Bada means like big or older, basically. No? So Chota Haridas is this famous young monastic that Mahaprabhu chastises really heavily, or something that apparently is not very reasonable, but... God has, again, his mysterious ways to give his mercy, and eventually it is shown how he was delivered and obtained full mercy by Mahaprabhu. And then the story of Haridas Thakur is told. Again, I'm, I'm suffering so much by doing this extreme summary here with you, <laughs> because so many things are to be said. I mean, about the life of Haridas Thakur, Rupa Goswami, we need, like, eternity for that. And that's the idea, basically. We will meet there, and we will have full time to share one after the... We will be with them, actually. We will see the whole... Story live and direct. <laughs> so Haridas Thakur, Namacharya, so his story is being shared there and how eventually he passes away. There's a whole chapter dedicated to Haridas Thakur passing from this world in an exemplary way and totally absorbing Mahaprabhu himself, putting himself in samadhi, dancing with his body and emphasizing the importance of spiritualized sadhakade and so on. Hmm? And in a similar line, then it is described when Sanatan Goswami returns to Puri. Remember, they are going back once a year. And at one point, he, how do you say, he 
becomes like infected, some source he has in this body, in his body, and Mahaprabhu daily he embraces him. Sanatan was feeling so bad with himself, say I will commit suicide. Because I'm I'm offending my Prabhu by making him touch my totally abominable body. So Mahaprabhu knew all this. He's at the Rami. So he told to Sanatan <laughs> what we spoke the other day. That body you want to kill, that's not yours. <laughs> it's mine, he said. And I have many plans and projects with that body. That will my will will express itself through your body in so many ways. So just forget about that. <laughs> forget about that, Ankar. <laughs> just in case someone has suicidal tendencies here. <laughs> Mahaprabhu emphasized this point of the sadaka deha, the body of the sadaka, and how that body belongs to one's Prabhu, Sri Guru, Mahaprabhu, and so on. So it's not in our right to do whatever we like with that. So we do not belong to ourselves anymore, fortunately. <laughs> because actually that's the quest of the soul, as we say. Our real quest is not so much what does belong to me, but who I belong to. And we are desperate to belong, to feel ourselves part of. <laughs> and we are going through so many identifications and designations. I belong to the Communist Party, I'm a punk rocker, I'm anarchist, I'm atheist, I'm whatever, designation with fashion and music and cultures and hairstyles, <laughs> till finally we arrive to the ultimate designation, which is, I belong to you, Prabhu. Hmm? So, very important section here, that again I'm very sadly summarizing here too much. And in a similar line, the Mahaprabhu meets also with Raguna Das Goswami, a very nice also section there which highlights the position on Raghunadas, his extreme uh, attachment to Krishna, um, by um, naturally his extreme detachment as a consequence of his attachment, Halmakalhapaburu instructs him on a very basic level and instructs us to him, hmm? do not speak gossip, do not hear gossip, do not dress very fun in a fancy way, and do not eat very fancy food, which is funny, he's saying that to, to Raghunath Das Goswami. If you read the previous sections, immediately you realize this is not for Raghunath Das Goswami. <laughs> he was wearing one coping and eating the remnants of the food that even the cows were not taking because it was rotten. <laughs> so he would take that Mahapra, old Mahaprasad from Jagannath, wash, put some salt, and eat those grains. And Mahaprasad saying, do not eat fancy food. <laughs> <laughs> do not wear fancy clothes. He's with a loincloth only. No? Do not speak gossip. He's totally self-controlled from tip to toe. So he's saying that to us. And then he says, always chant Harinam and invokes the third verse of Sikshastaka, more tolerant than a tree, more humble than a blade of grass, and so on. And in your mind, Raja, Radha, Krishna, Siva, Manasa, Kariva. In your mind, serve Radha and Krishna in Brindavan. In two verses he says all this stuff. So very quickly he goes from the very ABC to the last letter of the alphabet, no? When do, when do we end? It all converges in Lilashmaranan and mental service in your inner spiritual body to Radha and Krishna Vrindavan. Where it all begins, do not gossip, please. <laughs> <laughs> like in plan, if you went there and you, you think you are going there but you're still gossiping, you are going somewhere else. So all this should be in place. And then also some other narratives are described of Mahaprabhu interacting with Raghunath Bhattagoswami, Jagadananda Pandit. And again, all these 
All these days we have been sharing this series as, a, as an appetizer and a way of tempting you. So after this, you say, okay, I have to read the whole Chaitanya Chaitanya. I have to read the whole Chaitanya Bhagavad. Because that's the idea. It's not that, oh, that's enough. What Mara said, it's enough for me. No, this is just a, like one frame of the movie. No? So try to be tempted properly in the direction, in that direction. There you have all these Shastras waiting for you. So that's a brief recap of what happens after uh, happened after the Rathiyatra and before what we are seeing today, which is Mahaprabhu's last days. So in this way, Mahaprabhu spent, as you know, 20, he lived in this world 48 years. So the first 24 years he spent them in Navadvip, and he accepted sannyas, 24, and from them he went to Puri. So he spent, spent 24 years in Navadvip, 24 years in Puri, although in between there were these two years in traveling South India and some travels in between, but in general, we could say half and half, Navadip and Puri. So, in his 24 years, yeah, I'm making calculations, sorry. In his 24 years in Puri, yeah, I'm doing right, no? 24 years. Yeah, 24 years. 48, how is it in English? Divided? Divided into 24. So, his 24 years, half of those. 24, the 12 ones, the last 12 ones, he spent in extreme, how do you say, preclusion. That's where we'll focus today. And the first 12 ones, he was more of a public figure, if you will, as a sannyasi, traveling, going south, going here, Brindavan, Baranasi, Ramakeli, Prayag. He traveled quite a lot, and, and, and converting others and presenting the teaching. And, as my Guru Mahesh will say, when you properly do those things, naturally, that will take you to the next step, which is, at one point, you can no longer be a public figure. Because you are so much developing inside, your inner world is calling you so intensely <laughs> that you don't have more focus for anything else than that inner demand, you know, that inner world that is calling you, demanding, consuming you in a healthy way, naturally. You are not forcing yourself there, but by properly Harikata, Shravan, Kirtan, engaging in sadhana, in delivering the teaching, all that will create, by proper preaching, let's say, that will create a proper internal realization. And in, 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 that's the real idea between practice, interaction between practice and preaching. You should preach in such a way that that will nourish your practice your inner world. And you should practice in such a way that that creates some natural overflowing that will be the, the, the sharing with others. That's a natural preaching, not so much come here that I will convert you to my convert you to my cult or something. But you are so full in your own practice that that starts to mm-hmm. you know, overflow and <laughs> sprinkle some other people. Oh, and they become like, oh. This is nice also. That's real preaching. It's not so much like, here's a book and you have to accept. If not, this and this will happen. So one thing will nourish the other. It's like cause and effect, mutual cause and effect. So again, remember that Mahaprabhu had two main purposes here. The main purpose for his descent and the secondary purpose. So the secondary purpose has to do with spreading the Yuga Dharma, establishing the religion for the age, if you will. So as a sannyasi, he has been doing this a lot, even before that. 
but his main purpose, which was that one. Mm -hmm. Basically, in brief words, to taste the experience of Sri Radha. So that was happening. It's not that it's, it didn't begin yet. Already started to happen from the moment he was officially converted to Vaishnavism, they say. <laughs> and even before that, maybe that was like inherently, late, inherently latent waiting for <laughs> the proper unfolding in the Leela. When he received Diksha from Ishwarapuri, okay, that started to gradually flourish, flourish. Then he accepts sannyas, he receives systematic instruction by Ramananda Roy, as we say, so it starts to grow more and more and more, he absorbs more, his ecstatic symptoms, if you study his life, become more and more uncontrollable, no, more, even more, even more, so he becomes less and less operative as a public figure, basically, because to be a public figure, figure you have to have certain self-control, self if you will. <laughs> we need to control ourselves as human beasts now. <laughs> but when you are too advanced, you start to get out of control in another sense now. <laughs> Ecstatic, overflowing. And you can no longer function as the public figure. Imagine Mahaprabhu is going to deliver one lecture and says three words and starts to cry and faint and he's rolling on the ground, class is over. <laughs> so it's like something else is happening. We are entering to another stage. So in this way, Mahaprabhu was becoming more and more sensitive to see his inner world to the point that he was starting to feel the need of more reclusion and, and, and some of his associates started to filter the association that was coming to him because he became, he will become so much affected for example the famous example of Swarup Damodar who will be one of the two main secretaries if you will or tutors of Mahaprabhu and he will filter someone will bring some offering to Mahaprabhu for example some poetry some song that some devotee had composed, it first had to be examined by Swarup Damodar. Swarup Damodar will see, does see if there is no apasiddhanta here, no rasabhas, no improper mixture of mellows, no um, philosophical contradictions, because if Mahaprabhu will hear them, he, became, he will become so disturbed. That will affect him in, in his inner world so much. So all the devotees were really very careful about Mahaprabhu's emotionality, if you will. It's a very high advanced service. You're taking care of the emotions of your master. <laughs> Trying to protect him from himself, if you will. <laughs> so, well, the point is that eventually this became, grew, grew more and more internal, more grave. Grave is the word? Like deep. To the point that officially he, for the last 12 years, Basically, he never went out from... They had to put him in jail, if you will. <laughs> he himself will, as we will see, escape from there. But generally, he was kept in the place called Gambira, which was his residence, but he now became an isolated figure, if you will, accompanied by a few selected servants. The very word Gambira means, like, grave, like serious. Like something serious is happening here. This is not a joke. And of course, if you go now there to Jagannath Puri and see the Gambira, probably you will be scared. <laughs> because you will say, okay, maybe there is some fancy space and nice... Because if, my, if you were being quarantined for 12 years, <laughs> no, sometimes we are suffering quarantine. It was 12 years in a row there, <laughs> basically. 
So it's okay, at least some nice room. Minimum, I want Netflix there. But <laughs> <laughs> so when you go to the Gambira, oh, that's serious, Gambira. That's deep and serious. It's just like a rock room, which is like what? Two per two per one. <laughs> Even not two. I mean, Mahaprabhu was a tall figure. I don't know. He was always sitting and two per two per one thirty or something. Let's say two per two per two to be generous. Huh? That's the Gambira. With one little window and one door on the side. It's a small room, my Guru Maharaj will say. <laughs> small room but big ideal. He had such a big ideal that he didn't feel this is a small place. Because his inner world was so wide, so deep, so big. But he didn't feel uncomfortable. Oh, this is too small. Because too much love was there. But when you have, don't have too much love, he will say, you may be thrown in the Sahara desert. It's so big, so spacious, but there's no affection. So you feel uncomfortable. And it's someone to love, basically. <laughs> so Mahabrabhu had that someone to love, if you will. Very deep. So the room was two per two for 12 years. It doesn't matter. A small ideal. A big ideal in mind. So sometimes for us, if our ideals are not so big, if our ideals are not so big, we may not be comfortable with anything. I want a higher, taller house, bigger car, more fancy haircut, and this. Nothing is enough. I need to have more and expand more and possess more and enjoy. Because my ideal is like this. <laughs> no, so I need to add stuff to my idea so it, it, it seems bigger at least at least I convince myself oh, now it seems bigger but still the idea is like this and on, the more you put things on top the smaller the idea gets actually <laughs> the more suffocated no? so here the real comf comf comfort in the words of Silasira Maharaj home comfort means to, to increase the nature of your idea to increase the scope of your idea and that's what we see in the great, greatest personalities. They have such an idea, mostly externally, they live like with nothing. But it's not that they were looking for that, attached to live with nothing. They were just finding so much space and depth in their inner world that externally was just the minimum required. <laughs> some water here, some fruit there, sleeping well, each night in one different tree, whatever. <laughs> and yeah, for us it will be like, pathetic, terrific, like, I, I'm just thinking about that. But the point is, again, they're not like masochists. They're just immersed into <laughs> the depths of the inner world. So that's invitation for us. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it's not a, scare, a scary journey. No, <laughs> it's not. It is not in nature. Mm -hmm. So again, Mahaprabhu entered into this Gambira for 12 years till he left this world. And more and more deeply he engaged in this culture of the main purpose of his descent, to culture this Radhavav. And as we mentioned some meetings before, interestingly, the mood that Mahaprabhu will show there is a parallel with the mood that Sri Radha has in the Brahma Gita, when she's speaking to the bumblebee in separation from Krishna, who is in Mathura. Because Mahaprabhu is uh, in the mood of Radha, in separation from Krishna, mostly. So that mode of separation from Krishna is best uh, illustrated with what which Radha is showing the Brahman Gita. So there's a like a, a 
a point, how do you say, breakthrough or whatever, when all this starts to become more intense, when Mahaprabhu enters the Gambira officially for not going out back. And that's when Advaita Charya sent him a mystic poem. Mm. This was not filtered by Sarupdhamma. <laughs> Remember, Advaita Charya was the one who invited Mahaprabhu to descend. But strictly speaking, what Advaita Charya, who, who, he had, who he invited to descend, the Yuga Avatar portion of Mahaprabhu. No? He's, he, the Chaitanya Charitamrita described, he looked at the world, and he realized the fallen condition of the people in Kali Yuga. He thought it's a moment for the Yuga Avatar to come, so he started to worship, worshiping Salagram with Ganga Jal and Tulsi, Manjaris, and crying and shouting. That, that was the standard to make God descend. So simple worship, but strong emotions. He was crying and calling him, uh, shouting, some water, some leaves, Patrampush found, so Bhagavan came, but again, the Jugavatar portion mostly came through Advaita Charya, the establisher of Dharma, which is one side of the Mahaprabhu's equation. Yeah. So now Advaita Charya is sending one mystical poem to Mahaprabhu, that as we will see, is inviting the Juga, that Juga avatar portion that he invoked, he's inviting that portion to retire. Like implying, you have, that portion has already did his part, now you can fully immerse into the main purpose of your descent, tasting Radhavad. So I will show you the, the poem, because it's quite, quite mystic. This is Parokshavar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> In direct speech. So he says, he sends the message through someone else even, not directly to Mahaprabhu, so even more indirect. Please inform our Prabhu, who is acting like a madman, that everyone here has become mad like him. Inform him also that in the marketplace, rice is no longer in demand. Further, tell him that those now mad in ecstatic love are no longer interested in the material world. Also tell him that one who has also become a madman has spoken these words. I mean, Advaita himself. No? So basically, that's the poem. Tell that madman that everyone became a madman, and a madman is writing that. So, so basically, the idea is everyone became madman. That's the idea. In other words, you, you, the Juga Dharma has been properly established. Because that the, the conclusion is the result of Engaging in Juga Dharma is you will become mad. <laughs> so Advaita Chari is saying everyone became mad. In other words, the Juga Dharma is properly disseminated. So your Juga Avatar function has been successful. Everything everyone became mad. So no that what he said what there there when he say like marketplace in marketplace rice is no longer in demand. Like everyone has their rice, in other words. <laughs> everyone is totally crazy. No? Basically that's the idea. Hmm? So implying now is the moment to retire your Juga avatar function and the main purpose of your descent can be fully accomplished. So after Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu read this message, he didn't say, what's this weird thing or whatever. He became very Gambira, very serious. He said, oh. Hmm. And after that, he entered into the Gambira for the next 12 years, basically. So in this situation, in the Gambira, Mahaprabhu is mostly, as we mentioned, accompanied by two intimate associates who are 
Swarup Damodar and Ramananda Roy. Gobinda Das is there also like a secretary, as a servant, personal servant, but more of the outside of Ingumbirev. But the two main assistants, and assistants in this case doesn't mean too much bring the water or bring this. Gobinda Das was doing those things. But Ramananda and Swarup were assisting Mahaprabhu in, again, emotional terms. That requires lots of <laughs> capacity. No? I mean, what he's feeling, how to nourish that particular feeling, how to augment that, how to support whatever he's feeling so he can get in this other direction of, I mean, a whole tutelage, emotional tutelage no? that they were doing. Hmm? Because remember, Mahaprabhu is Krishna tries trying to taste Radhavab. <coughs> and who is Shirada and Gorlila? Radhar Pandit. At this point, Gadar Pandit totally disappeared. And you will not hear anything else about, about Gadar Pandit. <laughs> but Gadar Pandit is in Tote Gopinath, remember we spoke the other day. And from Tote Gopinath, indirectly in the distance, he, she, <laughs> Radha, is giving more and more of her bab. So Mahaprabhu in the Gambira can be successful and increase his experience of Radha bab. And, and Gadar Pandit, all, he cannot be there because if he's there at this point, that will disturb Mahaprabhu's experience because he's really trying to be Radha and having Radha in front of him that will somehow in the form of Gadadhar will affect with that. So Radha Gadadhar remains in Tota Gopina, but in Samadhi he's seeing all that is taking place in the Gambira and how Mahaprabhu is like passing the different tests of hopefully attaining his PhD in Radha Bhav. <laughs> so he cannot be there but he's sending or she if you will she's sending her two dear most friends, Lalita and Bisaka, in the form of Ramananda Roy and Sarubdhama, who really know which are Radha's feelings, so they know how to help Krishna tasting that. So here we have Lalita and Bisaka helping Krishna in the form of Mahaprabhu to taste Radha Bhav in, in, in sustainable installments, because it's a too intense beverage. No? So it's in, in different one shot, second shoot. <laughs> so Swarup Damodar will sing Kirtan and Ramananda Roy will speak Harikata. So they sent, they established this, this foundation. Kirtan, Harikata. Kirtan, Harikata. Kirtan, Harikata. Ideally the two things should be always present. It's, there's, ideally one will complement the other. Kirtan is Nam and Nam is Krishna. And Harikata has to do more with Radha in one way. So, kirtan Harikata was another way of saying Radha and Krishna. Also. So generally when we do Kirtan, ideally that should be accompanied by Harikata. When we do Harikata, that should be accompanied by Kirtan. <laughs> you say that, that, that's how it worked with Mahaprabhu himself in Navadvip, especially. The devotees will get together to speak Harikata. And the Harikata became more and more and more and more condensed. And the glorification, the praise of Krishna became more and more condensed. That all the Harikata ended in Krishna Nam only. They were keep speaking about Krishna this and Krishna this and Krishna, 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 and it became Kirtan. <laughs> so naturally the Harikata exploded in, in Kirtan. And after some time of Kirtan, they felt the need of returning to Harikata to fully elaborate what was happening in Kirtan. And again Harikata, and again Kirtan, and again Harikata. So in this way, no? And also there were some special books that Mahaprabhu especially relished in this stage, which were really nourishing for his stage, like Krishna Karnamrita from Bilba Mangala Thakur, or Poetry of 
Chandidasan and uh, Jayadev Goswami's Gita Govinda, some books from Ramananda Roy, Jagannath Balabhanataka, and so on. Um, Jai Shuman Mahapuji. <clears throat> and again, meanwhile, all this is happening in the Gambira. Gadadhar Pandit is totally behind the curtains in Tota Gopinath in, in anonymity, anonymity, but allowing all the other things to happen, allowing Mahaprabhu to be successful. So in this section, the last, sec- the last chapters of Chaitanya Charitamrita are only ba- basically speaking about Mahaprabhu being immersed in different forms of ecstasy. There is nothing, as my Guru Mahasaya said, that you can like, you cannot imitate that. It's not like the teaching he presents in Madhya Lila, like Anacharya giving the teaching. You, you can follow, but at this point, I mean, you cannot follow. Mahaprabhu was inside Gambira one night, Govinda woke and went to the room of Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu was not there. But all the rooms were closed. So nobody knows how he, he melted in the walls and <laughs> appeared on the other side or something. And, 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 Govinda, and, and that was like a usual situation of every single day, basically. Chaitanya no? mentions one or two episodes, but it was like a daily affair. Where is Mahaprabhu now? And everyone running, looking in the hall of Puri. And, and asking people, and by certain symptoms, for example, one day he disappeared, and they found a, a group of cows together in one place, and, and, and in a particular mood, the cows were there, like they were too happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's how intuitively Govinda Das felt there must be something related to my Prabhu here. So he goes close to the to the cows, and he sees Mahaprabhu lying in between. All of them and all the cows were leaking. Mahaprabhu, <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding, oh, so sweet to see it. So much sweetness. Madhuram, Madhur. <laughs> and all the bodily limbs of Mahaprabhu had entered into his body as a tortoise, is described. Contracted, you say? And again, this is like extreme ecstatic symptoms. You, I mean, that you may feel horrified. Imagine that your half of my arm goes inside, or the legs goes inside like a turtle. It's like... Hmm? something is happening inside so much that all the limbs kind of want to enter there and concentrate in that. (laughs) So in another famous situation also, Mahaprabhu disappeared and all the devotees start to run and and ask, where is Mahaprabhu? Where is Mahaprabhu? And at one time they see one, I'll say, fisherman. Mm -hmm. In Puri you will find many of them. (laughs) And this fisherman was like possessed, like crazy. So they say, he must know something, you know, for sure. So this person was totally like, yeah, possessed, basically. You know? But possessed in, in a good sense, in a good sense. He has seen Mahaprabhu. He said that Mahaprabhu went out and in his ecstasy he saw the ocean in Puri and he thought, this is the Jamona. No? And he was in Radhavav. So he felt, oh, let's have some, some water games with Krishna. So he jumped into the ocean. No? And the currents of the ocean started to carry him along the distance. So there was one fisherman in the ocean and with his net he caught Mahaprabhu thinking, oh, I got a big one today. <laughs> but when he saw Mahaprabhu and just touched him, he became like possessed and he was thinking, what's going on with me now? And that was the standard of Mahaprabhu, just touching or seeing or even as we say, hearing about him even without seeing him, people will get converted. So eventually, he's, of course, his devotees found him. And, and things like this. You know, sometimes Mahaprabhu will even taste manjari bhav in one of sp- some spe- two sp- main specific sections, interestingly. 
some like extended version of of Radhava because what the Manjari's taste is what Radha is tasting through Bikari's experience so it is described at some moment that Mahaprabhu was there witnessing Radha and Krishna's pastime and being invited to assist as a handmaiden picking flowers and so on so inside the experience of Radha of Mahaprabhu there is also some nuanced some varieties are there so this is some again this is also a summary of what Mahaprabhu experienced in the last days. So in this way we reach the very end of Mahaprabhu's Lila, the very final portion and the very last chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is Sri Sikshastakam. Interestingly, that's how Krishna Das Swami closes the curtain of Gaur Lila with the Sikshastakam prayers, these famous eight verses written, composed with Mahaprabhu in Sanskrit. So again I will ultra summarize that we have given a series of lectures some time back and we give one lecture per one per each verse so minimum we need eight meetings for that <laughs> minimum so now I'll, we will share a little, a little bit of what these verses are about just to honor this section because it's so important in the closing of Mahaprabhu's Lilas Mahaprabhu Lila so let's go verse by verse are you ready? Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> okay. For those who know, you can accompany. Chito darpana marjanam baba maha babakni dir bapanam shreya kairava chandrika bitaranam vidyabadu jivanam anandam budivardanam pratipadam Purnamrita sadhanam sarvatmasnapanam param vijayate Shri Krishna sankirtanam So this is the first verse, Shakstakam, which somehow, according to Srila Thakur Bhakti, you know, it's like summarizes the other seven, because it presents seven glories of the chanting. And those seven glories will be presented in the seven remaining verses. So Mahaprabhu is saying basically, beginning as we spoke the other day, Chetu Arjanam. This something will cleanse, clean, sorry, the mirror of your chitta. In other words, it invites you to embrace your subconscious, to be more direct with the implications of that. No, it will cleanse the heart. That's the first glory, which sometimes for us is like the all in all. No, I practice and I chant to purify myself. Mahaprabhu say that's the first of seven. <laughs> it's we. I mean, that's something we have to begin somewhere, but do not think this is all. That's an important point. Sometimes you speak anartha nibriti, not doing away with the misplaced values, but that's not the the goal of life, to take the the dirt out. <laughs> I mean, again, as we give, gave the example the day, interior decorator, he will come and will take throw away all the stuff that is not looking good. This is not good, this is not good. <laughs> but after that comes the real positive thing. Let's decorate now. This goes here, you paint here, you ornament. So all the spiritual ornamentation comes after that. Bhava Mahadabhagni Nirbhapanam. So Sri Harinam second go, second glory. It does away with samsara. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> That's the second only. <laughs> no. Stop stops the, the cycle of birth and death. Mukti if you will. 
second glory. You, fi you have five more. Then. So we see how much Gaudiya Vaishnavism specializes on post-liberated life. Most of the lineages is about liberation, getting away from here, stop suffering, transcend samsara, and get out of here somehow or other. Gaudiya Vedanta say, that's, that's, I mean, with all respect, but it's not the great thing. We're interested in what happens after liberation. Srila Sermas will say, positive and progressive immortality. We are not interested in mere immortality, but positive. What will I be doing there? Progressive. Is there any development in, the, in that plane, or is it just still mm, zero-like immortality, and there no movement, nothing's going on? That's the notion of other schools. But for us, yeah. Second glory. We have five more. <laughs> Sustraya Kairava Chandrika Vitaranam, then well, I, it's too much to explain all this. I will get <laughs> But gradually, I have to summarize. We have all this series of lectures available for the ones who want to really go in detail, which I will suggest. My Guru Mas also wrote a very nice commentary to the Sikshastakam on which we based this series. But whatever the case, Mahaprabhu is describing how the ingress of the Swarup Shakti Bhakti becomes more and more prominent in the life of a devotee, hmm? with different analogies of the lotus and the moon rays, and eventually speaking about experiencing an ananda at every stage and being bathed, the, bathe, the, sense, the self is being bathed in every sense because of Prem. So, interestingly also, Bhakti Nautakur mentioned that each one of these verses represent one stage of progression in Bhakti. So the first verse has to do with Shraddha and Sadhu Sangha. Because at the end Mahaprabhu says, Parambijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtana. Which means supreme victory to Sri Krishna Sankirtana. So all glories of whatever, Parambijayate. So he's instilling faith in the chanting by describing these seven glories and by saying Parambijayate. So that's Shraddha, faith. He's instilling faith. And Sadhu Sangha is included because it says Sankirtana. So Sankirtan is Kirtan with Sadhu Sangha. I mean, you can, if, you, if you do Kirtan without Sadhu Sangha, if you pick a cart or a Mridanga by yourself in your house, it's nice. But if you're alone, that's not Sankirtan, that's Kirtan. For it to be Sankirtan, you need someone else. So that's an important idea. For engaging in this, you need others. You need others. It's not that you can do it by yourself, alone in everything. No, it's not possible. I need you. That's the idea. I need the Vaishnavas. Please bless me so I can engage in Sankirtan. That makes you clear about the dependence we have on association. Yeah, there is an individual side to the practice, but equally we have to emphasize the collective side. Sankirtan is another way of saying Sangha Kirtan. Sangha Kirtan. Without Sangha, there is some Kirtan, some Kirtan, but not some Kirtan. <laughs> so Mahaprabhu came to give Harinam some Kirtan. <laughs> not Harinam, some. Some Kirtan. <laughs> so, you see. Some means alone. Basically. So again, I'm, of course, if for force of circumstance you are alone, it's nice that you do kirtan. It's not that, but to bear in mind, there's a diff, considerable differences when we are 
engaging in Sankirtan. So Sangha, Sangha, Sadhu Sangha is included in this first verse also. Sradhan Sadhu Sangha. And then we need to reach the second verse. Nam nam kari bahuda niyasarva shaktis tatrarpitani amitashmarane nakalaha etadrishita vakripa bhagavan mamapi durdaiva midrisham mihajani nanuraga. So this verse has to do with an art bhajanakriya narthanibriti, <coughs> engaging in devotional practices while acknowledging our, how to say, misgivings? No, anarthas. <laughs> yeah. Our lack of taste, in this case in particular. Mahaprabhu was, you know, he's saying to Bhagavan, to himself, but in the mood of the devotee. Oh, there are so many names, Namakari Bahula, you have uncountable names, Sarva Shaktis, all Shaktis are in those names. There's quantity, there's quality. And there are no hard, fast rules to engage in this chanting. How do you continue? Smarane Nakala. Itadri Shitabakripa Bhagavan Mamabe. Oh Bhagavan Tabakripa, your grace is such. But, last line, Durdaiva Midrishami Hajjaninadur. My lack of fortune is such that I don't have a taste for such a thing. So he contrasts no? the grace of Bhagavan, no limit with the names, no limits with empowerment in the names, no limit with how easy it is that, and I have no taste. In spite of that, still I have no taste. Again, this is not to commit suicide and get depressed, but to realistically acknowledge where we may be. And of course, that this verse represents anartha nibritim bhajanakriya, which means I'm practicing, I'm struggling in my practice because I don't have taste. But Mahaprabhu is mentioning there is a place for that. I mean, that's a stage in practice. It's not that it shouldn't be happening. It's not the ultimate goal, but that will happen. <laughs> hmm? So be ready for that. Be ready for not having taste, and especially be ready to know what to do to have taste. <laughs> Rupa Goswami gives the famous example of jaundice. Jaundice, you understand? Yes. Okay. So you have a word in Bulgarian for that. Yes. Great. So jaundice means your tongue cannot taste something, anything sweet. I mean, you try, but it tastes bitter. So that's a big karma. For me, it will be a big karma. <laughs> you give some ladu, gulab jamun, and it's like, oof, like lemon or who knows what. <laughs> but the only cure for jaundice is eating sweets. So you may imagine, imagine the, the treatment is a little bit bitter. <laughs> but if you understand, I need to do this because in time this will cure me and I will develop the capacity to relish this, you continue, even though it's like bitter, but with your intelligence, you remind to yourself, this is this is happening because of this. And eventually this won't be happening if I'm doing things properly. So eventually the tongue recovers the taste. So by chanting properly, eventually, that which now is bitter, in turn, eventually will become sweet. I mean, it's all already sweet. Our tongue is the bitter one. So it's not that Krishna consciousness is bitter. Harinam is bitter. We are bitter. <laughs> so we are trying to sweeten ourselves, if you will. So that's the second verse. Brief summary. Third verse may be the most popular and important one for most of us. Trinada pisuni, chinata rora pisayushnana, 
So this third verse is repeated, repeated along Chaitanya Charitamrita in many cases, many situations, not only once. And basically this verse represents Nishta, or the next stage to attain, which means stability, fixity, fixity, determination, all these notions, instead of coming and going, ups and downs, now we reach a fixed platform. So in the verse, interestingly, Mahaprabhu shows how to reach there. He says, you should be more humble than a blade of grass. You should be more tolerant than a tree. You should give all respect to others and don't expect respect for you. And in this way, you will be able to permanently engage in glorification praise of Hari, Hari Kirtan. So my Guru Mahesh will say, this interestingly speaks about being fixed, but also how much flexible we have to be in, in, in order to reach there, what to speak when we reach there. He's mentioning the example of the blade of grass, which is so much. Huh? One steps on the blade of grass, and the blade of grass adapts to that. Adapts to that. As we mentioned, the survival of the fittest. <laughs> survival of the humblest. <laughs> and then the tree. The tree is a great example, always. Because it shows also, like, many things. No? Bhakti Nautaku will say that this tolerance that Mahaprabhu speaks about here, could be translated as uh, pure compassion free from envy. Which is an interesting idea because we sometimes think tolerance means just like, mm -hmm. okay, something is coming, I have to tolerate. I have to tolerate. I have to tolerate. But that's not the full face of tolerance. Tolerance means, while, meanwhile I'm tolerating, and it, at one point that becomes something secondary, I'm giving. That's the example of the tree. The tree is there, tolerating heat, cold weather, rain, snow, people not finding a bathroom and urinating there, huh? people in love and writing huh? Maria and whatever. <laughs> Nowadays they will do graffiti or whatever. <laughs> or people bringing an axe and saying, okay, we, here we can make a good table. And the tree is not protesting. But Instead of not not only not protesting, but as you know, giving. Meanwhile, it's tolerating, it's giving shade, air, fruit, shelter, giving, giving, giving. <laughs> Try to catch the old implications of the analogy. <laughs> That's the full face of tolerance. It's not just I have to tolerate, I would like to kill you, but I have to tolerate. <laughs> no. Actually, the tolerance became totally secondary, the giving is becomes prominent. That this famous saying that says, be like the sandalwood tree, which is perfuming the axe that is cutting it. <laughs> Try to imagine the analogy. Someone comes to you with an axe, how do you respond? Perfuming that. <laughs> Not jumping to its, his neck or something, but just like giving the best you have. My essence, my perfume. To you who try to kill me. Christ says something similar. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. <laughs> Instead of being insulting and what oh, blaming, oh, please bless them. I'm taking full compassion on them. So, again, this is easier said than done. <laughs> no, be ready for the test after the class. Something will happen on the way home, and you have to <laughs> show how much you want to reach this place. <laughs> <laughs>
this, this verse. But again, it may seem a bitter pill to swallow, but it's a necessary stage to attain. So our practice becomes stable, stable, more and more stable. The more we are not stable in part is because, because maybe we are not willing to, to embrace that level of humility and tolerance. And again, we cannot force to, to reach there and just press a button and I'm much more tolerant. You cannot imitate Christ in the cross, if you will. You will end up in the mental health hospital. But you can be inspired and moved by his example and say, well, what can I do from, when I am, from where I am to get closer to that ideal? Because it's charming. <laughs> One sense is charming. But if they put me now immediately there, it's not so charming yet. <laughs> so we have to find a way to reach there. So that's third verse in encapsulating so so much to say. But let's go to the fourth one. Nadanam Najanam Nasundarim Kavitamba Jagadisha Kamaye Mama Janmani Janmani Shwari Bhavatad Bhakti Rahai to Kitbay. So this verse <coughs> has to do with Ruchi, next stage in progressive bhakti. Ruchi means taste. So before Ruchi there is some taste, it's not that we are not feeling anything, but in Ruchi there is taste, with, with capital letters and every single, which implies also there is no taste for any other thing. That's in the, and that's what this verse says, na, 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 it's a devotional neti neti, <laughs> but there is some yes also there. So Mahaprabhu says, na dhanam na janam na sundarim kavitam ba. I'm not interested in wealth, nadanam, najanam, I'm not interested in followers, fame, nasundarim, I'm not interested in pretty woman or pretty man according to the case, kabitamba, I'm not interested in refined knowledge and arts. And another way of saying this is I'm not interested in dharma, artha, kama, and even moksha, which the scripture describes as purushartha, the goal for human life. Mahabharata saying, I don't care about them. <laughs> so in Ruchi, you are no longer human, if you will. <laughs> no, you are not inhuman, but you are something more than that. Your humanity has been upgraded to a divine status in a very interesting way. So Mahaprabhu is no inter not longer interested in anything from this world. Try to imagine all the things that practically capture us. Money, fame, position, work, and sense enjoyment. Or even when you get fed up of all those stuff, I want to get out from this world, mukti. I would say, I don't even care for that. <laughs> so the question is, that, what do you care for? <laughs> so he say, Jagadisha Kamayevamanjanmanishwarebhavatadbhaktirahitogitay. I only care for bhakti birth after birth after birth. That's my only preoccupation. Which implies, even if I have to come to this world over and over again, I don't care if I have bhakti. Which implies bhakti is above mukti. No? Because everyone cares so much about mukti, but if someone says, I don't care about mukti, someone says, Ah, because you care about sense enjoyment. No, I don't care about that either. <laughs> so, what do you care for? Bhakti. So, what's this bhakti? It's not from this world. Even though it appears here and it's available to us, it's about mukti. It's post liberated status. So, that's why the devotees say, For me, it's the same. Mukti, not Mukti. Narayana Parasarvin, Sarisibhagavatam, Nakutashtana, Bibhyatiswar, Gapa, Varga, Narakeswar, Kittulyarta, Darshana. For a devotee, hell, heaven, it's the same. 
<laughs> liberation. That's what the Bhagavatam says. They see exactly all the things the same because they are fully satisfied in bhakti, which is the ultimate constitutional position of the upgraded jiva. So, if they are in hell, no problem. If there is bhakti, that's heaven, basically. If I'm in heaven without bhakti, that's hell. <laughs> so, bhakti determines where I am, basically. What's hell, what's heaven. <laughs> it doesn't to do with some geographical going here, going there. It's how much you are... Daibim Prakriti Masridaha, under the shelter of divine energy. So Mahaprabhu said that, birth after birth, I want bhakti. That means ruchi. That's my point. You have such a taste for bhakti that you don't care. I may be born, bhakti no or anything like this. I may be born as an ant again. But if that's in the house of a devotee, I embrace that of all being Brahma. Because I will have sadhu sangha, I will eat the the remnants of the chapati that the devotee is taking, I want to be that ant. I don't care about being Brahma. Abrahma, Bhavana, Luka, From up to down, all these planets, this world are miserable. Coming and going, coming and going. But bhakti, that's another journey in itself. So, fifth verse. Nandatano yakinkaram patitam ambishame babambudo so this fifth verse, Mahaprabhu is speaking about Asakti, the last stage of sadhana bhakti before getting graduate promoted to bhava bhakti, and there Mahaprabhu is the, the, the arising of the spiritual body is coming by the mercy of Sarup Shakti that's appearing. So he's praying to Mahaprabhu, to, to Krishna, like, Aji, Aji is a female word. So already Mahaprabhu is showing his inner culture of Radhavav, Aji. If you speak to a male, you will say, Hey, as we were reading yesterday the verse of Sri Radha speaking to Krishna, Hey Krishna, Hey Chapala, Hey Karunaika Sindhu, Hey, 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 it's male addressing. But ladies, Aji, Aji Nanda, so, Nanda Tanuja, Kinkara, I want to be a kinkaram, in this case will be kinkari, male female servant, in Nanda Tanuja, of the son of Nanda. Tanuja means, Tanu means body and Ja means Janma, birth. So he was born from the body, Nanda. That's how it works, Nanda Tanuja, Krishna. Patita And he expressed extreme humility. I'm falling in this world, but I want to attain that position of service. At least let me be one atom of dust at the feet of his service. Again, that doesn't mean I want to be an atom of dust specifically, but that's a specific type of humility that shows some like perpetual longing to remain there at the service of the feet. Sometimes the symbology is that I want to be a speck of dust there. Like implying I don't want to leave that service to the feet. Mahaprabhu is praying like, like this in, in, in Asakti. And my Guru Maharaj comments very nicely. Asakti corresponds with the how is it? Up, up, upsurging? No. What is it? Manifestation of the spiritual identity. Because why? Because Asakti means attachment. Okay. Attachment to Krishna. So he said, without a spiritual identity, we have a material identity material sense of identity. Uh, and what is that made of? Attachment. So you tell me which attachment do you have and I will tell you which identity you do you have corresponding with that. So we have material attachments, there will be a 
material sense of identity corresponding. We spoke yesterday, I am in mine. Whatever I think it's mine, again, as we say yesterday, oh, no, not yesterday, two days back, it's my son. So, I'm a, I'm a mother, or I'm a father, and I love him. But I'm not loving him because who he is. I love him because he's my son. <laughs> so I'm loving him only in relation to me. So ultimately, I'm loving me. And I'm not even loving me because I'm not what I think I am. <laughs> so that's, that's the situation. No? You follow. He's my son. I love you, my son. And he will ask me, but what if I'm not your son? Do you still love me in the same exact way? Oh, imagine that your children ask you that. <laughs> because I don't see, Ma, that you are loving every other children in the world like you love me. So, are you loving me or actually are you loving me because I'm your son? So you are loving your attachment to me. So you are loving myself as an extension of your sense of being because you think I belong to you. So actually you are loving yourself through me. That's not very loving. <laughs> Sorry. But that's how we need this cold water shower sometimes. To upgrade our loving, basically. This is deep. That the material attachment is really ingrained in our psyche and our sense of being. So gradually, again, spiritual attachment means there's no material attachment left. So there's only attachment to Krishna. Therefore, there has to be a corresponding identity. Because our material identity is on the basis of this attachment. When there's no more of those attachments, there's no more material identity. But we cannot live without identity. That will be like neurosis. So there will be a corresponding spiritual identity because of attachment to Krishna, which is not a problem, as we mentioned the other day. It's not a problem to be attached to Krishna in a particular loving relationship because that will be permanent. And that will be free from from the ego and so on. So, Asati, six verse. I'm going too quickly, sorry. What to do? Nayanam galada shudariya badanam gadgadarudaya jira he Mahaprabhu enters into Bhava Bhakti for us. He's beyond that from verse 1. <laughs> so he's praying here from different ecstatic symptoms that correspond with Bhava. Bhava means emotional bhakti. We are emotional beings, but now that's mostly our main problem. <laughs> because our emotions are not transcendental. So that's the very main source of our problem, our mundane emotionality. And we identify so much. I'm like this. I'm feeling this. I, feel, I really feel that. Yeah, I believe you, but out of what? Out of identification with what? No. Because again, you may feel, as I said the other day, I really feel I want to kill that person. I believe you. You really feel that. But it doesn't mean do it because you feel it it doesn't work like that <laughs> and I believe you you feel it and you are totally absorbing that feeling of envy or anger so many unwanted things you really emotionally feel you are from tip to toe it doesn't mean I have to run after to fulfill that so as we mentioned the, the practice of the devotee is to filter one's emotions not to be a robot without emotions but whenever some emotion comes put some filter to see, is this really legal? Is this really favorable? Or it's just like... Because you say, no, I feel it. And you touch your heart. It's generally, it's the mind. So it's not necessarily... I mean, to really be carried away by emotions in a, in a healthy direction means bhava-bhakti. 
Until you do not reach Baba Bhakti, you cannot trust your emotion 108%. You have to keep watch, watching out. Not going neurotic, but put some filter, because if you don't put any filter, you become an animal, basically, a beast. I just do whatever I feel. If you are a Baba Bhakta, no problem. That will be great. A blessing for humanity. I mean, you won't be able to do anything else, because... <laughs> But first, reaching Bhav, before reaching Bhavati, you have to use your head, as my Guru Maharaj will say, to soften your heart. Do not allow to soften your heart without using your head. That will be sentimentality only. Oh, I feel this, and I feel that. But think also, you have a head also. You have a heart, but you have a big head. You have to do something with that. And that's destined to soften your heart. Not to make your heart harder. harder. That can happen also. You can really... Be consumed by your intellect and suffocate your heart. That's well like that. So again, Baba Bhakti Mahaprabhu is showing the symptoms there. No, like when will I cry torrents of tears in separation of Krishna and my voice will be choked? I won't be able to pronounce the name because of ecstasy and so on. When pronouncing the name, so he's kind of longing. For this symptom, Baba Bhakti has to do along with a lot with longing, longing. In previous stages, there will be some longing, but mostly will be what we call surrender, saranagati, mostly. Col- conscious culture of saranagati, humility, and submission in the proper direction, healthy way. But when that's done nicely, that throws us in an ocean of longing, emotional bhakti, Baba Bhakti. Let's continue. There are many symptoms of how bhakti and so on, but you have to go through this detailed explanation we have given. My Guru Mahas has given. Seventh verse, we go to be pralamba prem. Yugaitam nimesina chakshusa pabrisaitam sunjaitam jagat sarvam govinda virahe name. So, this last two verses of the, t- the Sikshastagam are about prem. The first one is be pralamba prem, the last one is sambhog prem. Prem is separation. Preming union. Again, what we were speaking last these days. The two the twin polarity of love. So in this Prem, and remember, Mahaprabhu he's, here is in the, his last days, culturing Radhabab more and more and more and more. So the more he advances in these verses of Sikshastakam, the more he is exemplifying Radhabab. Because, of course, if he's ex- speaking the first two verses in the spirit of Anarthani Briti, that has not too much to do with Radhabab. <laughs> But the more he's getting closer to Prem, he's getting closer to his expression of Radhava. Because for Mahaprabhu, what does it mean, Prem? What's the Prem Mahaprabhu is after? Radha Prem. So this verse <clears throat> this depicts that condition on one level. So he, in the mood of Radha, said, In separation from Govinda, one, how do you say, nanosecond, one blinking is equal to a yuga or to an eon. Subjectively speaking, is expressly in union with him, an eon passes like a blinking. In separation from him, one blinking is experienced like an eon. We have that experience. If you don't have a taste for Hari now, <laughs> I don't need to finish the sentence. You already understood. If you are not in Ruchi or, or even whatever, Nishta, you may chant Japa and you think, when this will end? <laughs> no. And you are looking at the wall and the clock and 
and then still the same round. <laughs> of course, you shouldn't be chanting like that. But my point is, sometimes we may feel. But when you are chanting nicely, because you can chant in the two ways, and I think I imagine all of us had experience of that. Time passes in another way. You perceive time from another lens, if you will, when you're having a good time, if you will, basically. So, Jugaitam Nimeshena Chakshusa Pabrisaitam. In that separation, not only time is experienced like that, torrents of tears are coming. Because it is said that the, the separation from Krishna is like a forest fire burning inside. So, the only way to, to extinguish the forest fire is to throw torrents of tears, poetically speaking. Chakshusa Pabrisaitam Sunjaitam Jagat Sarvam. On the whole Jagat, the whole universe, appears Sunya. Empty, without Govinda. Without Govinda, everything is empty, basically. <laughs> That's an important point. Because still we feel there are so many things waiting for us outside there, without Govinda. <laughs> so many neon lights, so many, again, projects and things calling us, buy me, consume me, enjoy me, take me, possess me. No. And we are in separation from Govinda, <laughs> but we don't care. Neon lights are there. <laughs> so eventually, nothing will care. All those Leon, everything will like become dark. The dark night of the soul, sometimes it's described. Separation. And the separation, we will have to go through that channel, tunnel of separation to finally arrive at union, which is described in the last verse of Sikhshastri, which says, Ashlisya ba padaratam pinashtumam adarshanam marmahatam karutuva yata tatava bidaratu lampatu madpranatas to saivana padaha. So this verse has to do with some bhoktim. <clears throat> Although interestingly, the verse doesn't seem too much to speak about union. <laughs> no, because there Mahaprabhu is saying, uh, what to do? He, she, she, he, she, because Krishna Dakavira Kusana said, this verse is spoken by Radha, actually. So that's a very important point, of course. Which means Mahaprabhu is speaking the verse in fully in the mood of Radha. So he was finally successful in his project to taste Radha. But this, we are reaching the end of the story. And this, the movie has to have a happy ending. No? So, and which, which was the main purpose of the whole... Which was the beginning of the whole Gorlila? Krishna wanted to taste Radha. So for the story to be successful, he must be successful in that. So here at the end, Krishna Daskara is saying, Radha spoke this verse. I can blame Mahaprabhu was able to fully imbibe her mood and spoke this verse in, 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 in full Radha Bhav. Which also can become always fuller. And that's why Gorlila is eternal. And Mahaprabhu is eternally dedicated to continue going deep and deep into Radha Bhav. So here he's saying, uh, Krishna basically can do whatever he likes with me. He's a playboy. So that's, of course, we know, that's Radha speaking. Nobody else will call Krishna Lampata, which means basically that, a womanizer, a devotee. So he can do whatever he likes. He can embrace me. He can throw me on the side and fully disappear. So, uh, But he is always my Prananath. He will always remain the Lord of my life, the master of my, how do you say, Sykes, Sykings? Ah. <laughs> of my breath, of my pran, of my vital life. So, again, she's may, she says at one point, yeah, he may embrace me, we're going to say that's union. But then she says, he may reject me. 
he may do whatever he likes with me. So, and the verse speaks about Sambhog, Premin Union, which I will say it speaks about what's Sirada's disposition in union with Krishna. It's not that she's looking for the union for herself, mm. but actually she says, if Krishna is happy with me in union, then we unite. But if Krishna chooses to reject me, okay, I accept that. If that's pleasurable to him, that's my union with him. Like union is that enjoyment. Because the word for union here is sambhog. Mm. Sambhog means full enjoyment. Bhoga means enjoyment and sam means full. So Radha says, my full enjoyment is whatever gives Krishna full enjoyment. Mm. So if embracing me gives him full enjoyment, I'm happy with that. If rejecting me gives him full enjoyment, I'm happy with that. So when Krishna embraces Radha, she's happy. But she's not happy for herself. She's happy because she knows Krishna is happy embracing mm. her. Mm. <laughs> you know, all so this is a very interesting psychology of love. Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami shares a very nice explained, detailed explanation of this verse, more than any other, basically. And I'm tempted to share that with you, but I don't know if you are tempted also to hear that. We will close with that, I promise. But this is very... I always do that. Whenever I speak about this verse, I have to read these verses. There are 12 verses. I won't explain them. I will read them. You know, immediately. But there's very, very nice, like, unfolding, unpacking of the content in this verse and showing her the glory of her love, the glory of her sacrifice and disposition for the pleasure of Krishna. So she says, <clears throat> Mahaprabhu says in her, <clears throat> I am a maidservant at the lotus feet of Krishna. He is the embodiment of transcendental happiness and mellows. If he likes, he can tightly embrace me and make me feel oneness with him. Or, by not giving me his audience, he may corrode my mind and body. Never, nevertheless, it is he who is the Lord of my life. My dear friend, just hear the decision of my mind. Krishna is the Lord of my life in all conditions, whether he shows me affections or affection or kills me by giving me unhappiness. It kills me, not killing literally, but separation or whatever. Sometimes Krishna gives up the company of other gopis and becomes controlled, mind and body, by me. Thus he manifests my good fortune and gives, me other, gives others distress by performing his loving affairs with me. Or, since after all he is a very cunning, obstinate debauchee with a propensity to cheat, he takes to the company of other women. What to do? It's his nature. <laughs> he then indulges in loving affairs with them in front of me to give distress to my mind. Nevertheless, he is still the Lord of my life. Again, here we don't have a case of codependence or something like this. That, oh, she needs, she remains with him even though, no, it's not in that sense. But really, really she's <laughs> there for the pleasure of Krishna. I do not mind my personal distress. I only wish for the happiness of Krishna. For his happiness is the goal of my life. His happiness is the goal of my life. Not my happiness is the goal of my life. His happiness is the goal of my life. However, if he feels great happiness in giving me distress, that distress is the best of my happiness. <laughs> Again, it's not that Krishna is a cruel guy who makes Sri Radha suffer and wants him. Whatever he does, she's happy because she takes it. This is what Krishna wants. <laughs> so that's, that's the real... I mean, I said I won't explain the verses what to do. <laughs> But that's the, 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 the password 
to, to life, really, to be happy in life. It's not so much I want to be happy myself, but to identify with the perfect object of loving and whatever he wants, we are happy with that. And, and that's a, there's a place for that. If Krishna, attracted by the beauty of some other woman, wants to enjoy with her, but is unhappy because he cannot get her, I fall down at her feet, catch her hand, and bring her to Krishna to engage her for his happiness. So no jealousy here in Madhurya Bhav. Not, not mundane jealousy at least. No. Transcendental may count sometimes. When a beloved gopi shows symptoms of anger toward Krishna, Krishna is very satisfied. Indeed, he is extremely pleased when chastised by such a gopi. She shows her pride suitable, suitably, suitably, and Krishna enjoys that attitude. Then she gives up her pride with a little endeavor. So she describes this, this man that sometimes comes in herself. Even. Why does a woman continue to live who knows that Krishna's heart is unhappy, but who still shows her deep anger towards him? In other words, she's not approving showing anger to Krishna when that is not giving joy to him. Because she, he relishes that at some point. In that case, she's interested in her own happiness. I condemn such a woman to be struck on the head with a thunderbolt, for we simply want the happiness of Krishna. Rather, she cannot even tolerate the idea of someone not wanting the happiness of Krishna. She's a fanatic of Krishna. <laughs> if a gopi, envious of me, satisfies Krishna and Krishna desires her, I shall not hesitate to go to her house and become her maidservant, for then my happiness will be awakened. <laughs> Full humility. Now, he, he, she gives a classic Shastric example. The wife of a Brahmana, suffering from leprosy, manifested herself as the topmost of all chaste women by serving a prostitute to satisfy her husband. Long story, I cannot enter in detail now. <laughs> she thus stopped the movement of the sun, brought her dead husband back to life, and satisfied the three principal deities, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Three more verses and we close. Krishna is my life and soul. Krishna is the treasure of my life. Indeed, Krishna is the very life of my life. I therefore keep him always in my heart and try to please him by rendering service. That is my constant meditation. My happiness is in the, in the service of Krishna and Krishna's happiness is in union with me. For this reason, I give my body in charity to the lotus feet of Krishna. Sorry, I forgot you are translating. I'm reading so quick. Thank you. Therefore, for this reason, I give my body and charity to the lotus feet of Krishna, who accepts me as his loved one and calls me his most beloved. It is then that I consider myself his maidservant. And the last verse says, Service to my lover is the home of happiness and is more sweet than direct union with him. And that comes a point in this verse. Huh? It's about union, but actually the real sweetness is service to him, whatever, whatever form it takes. The goddess of fortune is evidence of this. For although she constantly lives on the heart of Narayan, she wants to render service to his lotus feet. She therefore considers herself a maidservant and serves him constantly. <clears throat> so, this is the detailed explanation given by Krishna Dakhkabraj Goswami, like extending the implications of what Mahaprabhu himself was doing, saying here in full Radhabab. So, after mentioning this, after pronouncing, invoking this most sacred Shastakam, 
that we are advised to recite ideally even on a daily basis, very special meditation. Uh, basically, Krishnadaska Vrasko Swami closes his treatise there, closes the curtain there, saying, okay, after this Mahaprabhu, mm -hmm. he, he doesn't enter into the details of how he passed away. We mentioned there are three main theories there. He merged into the ocean, he merged into Jagannath, or he merged into the total Gopinaditi. Generally, we feel especially inclined towards the last version, which is the deity that, as we mentioned, that other pandit was worshipping, and this is quite connected with Sri Radha, the, the main facilitator for Mahaprabhu's being successful. Hmm? And, and as we mentioned, Mahaprabhu is tasting Radhabab here. He's successful. The end of the story is full happy and he's bathing in the greatest glory. But if properly understood, the main character of the whole history is Gadadhar Pandit, Sri Radha, in totally low profile behind the curtain, allowing all the gold lila to happen and giving her bab to Krishna as Mahaprabhu for him to be successful more and more and more. And the more he becomes prominent, the more Gadadhar disappears with full humility and sacrifice. You know? So also that's a very important point to make in this closing of, of, of our study of Mahaprabhu, Sri Gadadhar Pandit Ki Jai, Sri Gaur Gadadhar Ki Jai. So if you find some inspiration with Gaur Lila, please do not forget there is a window of opportunity for eternality for all of us called Nitya Navadvip. So we are not only invited to enter Golok Vrindavan, Krishna Lila for eternity, but also a parallel window, interestingly double window in Gaudiya Sampradaya is there for entering into the eternal pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in, in Niti Navadip and serve this type of lilas with little nuance difference. He won't be a sannyasi there. <laughs> and so on. But Gaur Lila in itself, no? which is really a very, very tasty and desirable goal for us to think. So, Some words we wanted to share these days with you. So thank you very much for giving me the opportunity of speaking some Hari Kata, Gaur Kata in this case. Um, I don't know if there are any questions before finishing. We may have some few minutes because we already spoken quite a lot. But if there are any urgent questions, if not, of course, tomorrow we will have our last meeting in the evening with questions and answers. So there will be more, more space for that there. But if there is any question that is threatening your resting tonight, <laughs> you think I won't be able to sleep without solving this? Okay, thanks. Speak now. Okay, since you will have good resting tonight. Srila Gurudev ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Sri Giridash Maharaj ki jai, Jainal Balad Subhadri ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Priman. Hare Krishna.